In today's show, we're live here on YouTube answering your questions. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and TikTok at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Here to answer your questions, fantasy playoffs are in the midst. They're coming up. The season's coming to a close. So we're going to answer your questions, and I am joined, of course, by the one and only Zach Hanshu. Zach, welcome back to the show. Hey, good to be back, man. How are you? I am good. It's good to have you here. We've got questions from people that are lining up here in the chat. So we'll uh, we'll get straight into it. Um, all right, what is the first question? We've got Mike McLean says, Josh, I've got Vassell coming back tonight. My two worst players are Herder and Horford. Who would you drop to insert Vassell back into the lineup, Zach? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, Horford has been kind of up and down for a good bit of the season, uh, but I still feel like he's been a bit steadier than a Kevin Herter, uh, and especially with Malik Monk starting to come on recently. Uh, Actually, in this case, I prefer Horford. Curious to hear if you have a different take on that one. No, I do as well. I I just think what Herter brings... What, he, what he's not not actually bringing at the moment is so easily replaceable. Like I could add Tim Hardaway yeah. Jr. I could eat, add uh, Malik Beasley. Like I can get points and threes. And like, he's, you're right. He's getting his minutes cut. Like last game was a bit different. Fox was out, but he was playing like 21, 24, 26 minutes. Horford's coming on at the moment. It's just harder to find what Horford does. I think, um, I don't know if I'd be in a super rush to bring Vassell off IL as well. I think he's going to be pretty limited uh, as he returns here. You know, he might play 20 minutes a night for two weeks. I've got no idea, but I'm not expecting him to be rushing out and playing 30 minutes here straight up but yeah I heard it would be the guy that, that I would move on for uh, moving on from uh, Spud Surgeon says if he wasn't already LeBron is officially a drop yeah I think that's true Zach we got the note today is going to be officially reevaluated in three weeks so for the vast majority of us that is reevaluated with two games to go in the fantasy championship week RIP yep see you later LeBron it's been great what do you do like this I guess moving on from LeBron like is there a clear replacement there? We've seen Troy Brown start in place of him. Austin Reeves has played really well. Look, it's not Rui Hachimura. Jared Vanderbilt's already got the value, but his value doesn't change with LeBron out, I don't think. So would you add Reeves? Would you consider Brown, who played well yesterday? I would consider them. Uh, I mean, out of anybody, I, I still think Malik Beasley probably has the the best shot to have substantial value, uh, you know, moving forward for the rest of the season. Um, but if he's not available, yeah, I, I think Reeves is probably the guy that you would add. I mean, you kind of are crossing your fingers that he runs into some hotties on the sideline and starts getting hot again. But I, <laughs> so, fa- fa- otherwise, Father Rismus, Austin Reeves. Yeah, right. I mean, otherwise, you're just kind of hoping and praying that somebody goes out there and does something. Yeah. It's not It's not going to be pretty if you find yourself adding Austin Reeves. No, look, he's been good the last two games, and he, he's worth yeah. a look. Like, he's shooting well. He's scoring okay. The assists are all right. It's, it's okay. 
All right, it's not, but we still don't know what's going to happen when D'Angelo Russell returns. Will they just right. play Russell and Schroeder 30 minutes each together? I think that's possible. And then that limits Reeves and it limits Brown and limits all those guys. Or does one of those guys move to the bench? So still a lot up in the air, and I definitely wouldn't bother with Troy Brown or Hachimura. I'd look at Reeves and yeah, Beasley. If Beasley's going to do his thing, pretty much no matter what, though, Zach, he's going to take a lot of shots. Some days they'll go in, some days they won't. Yeah. And you get very, very little else apart from that. What do you think about this one from Big Doggy? He says, is Josh Hart a hold in a 9-cat 10-10 league? And I guess on the surface, you look at that and go, of course he is. Like, the Knicks are flying. But he hasn't hit 30 minutes once yet. And we know he's a low scorer. Are you worried that the fact that him and Barrett and Grimes and quickly all get in this, like, 22, starting with, with Grimes up to, like, 29 minutes and no one pushes into those big minutes that we, you know, we always look at Tibbs and go, he's going to play everyone 37 minutes. These guys are all getting limited. I would worry about that. I mean, Josh Hart, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the Knicks are undefeated since he's joined the rotation. Uh, I mean, he's been great, obviously. Um, You know, had that viral moment when Jason Tatum got ejected. Um, He's been – he's injected a lot of life into the team. He looks really good. Um, But, yeah, he's a guy that maybe is is better on the court than he is for fantasy. And as you mentioned, a lot of these guys are going to have their minutes cannibalized by one another. Um, So, in a 10-team league – I don't know that he's necessarily a guy that you have to hold on to in a 10-team league. In a 12-team league and higher, absolutely you're holding on to him uh, because he'll give you top 100 value, I think, is his floor. I Pretty safely, top 100, top 110 is the floor. But in a 10-team league, no, there's maybe better options. Yeah, because you, know, you took it into 10-team league, you're in fantasy playoffs, you've only got to win five categories to win the week. And while we can say top 100, top 110 is right, like if you're in a situation where you desperately need scoring, He's not top 110, like he's worse than that. And you'll get better guys off the waiver wire. So it's never, especially at this time of the year, it's not always just about what is this guy ranked? Like, what does he do for you right now, this week against your opponent? That is what matters. Don't worry about what he's done a month ago. Don't worry about what the overall value in a vacuum tells you because it doesn't actually mean anything if you lose the matchup and you go, well, but he was top 100 still. It doesn't matter if it doesn't have an impact um, on your team. And that brings me to this question from CJ Landgren. He says, is Bam a necessity to trade only having two games in my playoff finals? I'm locked in as the one seed. Zach, we can talk about Bam as a... As a um, individual player, but more as an uh, an esoteric, I don't even know if it's the right word here, concept about trading players who have two games in the playoffs. Like, is he a necessity to trade? Like, my immediate reaction is like, God, no, no, he's not. You can, it's not great to have players with two games, but this season during the playoffs, there are a lot of teams that have two game weeks. Like, I think next week, there's like five or six teams that play two games. You can work around having a guy with two games. So is it worth it? This is. I'll let you speak on it in a second, but is it worth it trading Bam, who we know, let's say top 40 is where we feel safe where Bam is. And we trade him. So to trade him away, knowing he's only got two games, you're probably going to get a worse player per game. You might get a top 60, a top 55 player. You might get that player. And that player might have three games. And then what if that player gets hurt one of those games? And then you're left with two games of the worst player. So we all look at these schedules and think, well, it's a guarantee that they will play those games. And that just isn't what happens. So I am usually pretty against making these moves to trade for worse players because of playoff schedule. Uh, I think there are significant, significantly easier and better and more consistently positive ways to, to work around that than trading away players for worse guys. 
Yeah, I'm with you, man. Uh, I think unless there's just a major trade-off here for Bam, you're going to take the two games of a guy that, as you mentioned, we feel pretty comfortable with, you know, top 40 production. Um, But he can give you second-round value uh, in those Mm. two games. So are you really going to be trading that away for maybe one extra game of somebody that is slightly worse? And as you mentioned, can't guarantee that they'll stay healthier, that they'll be available. Um, so, no, I think you take the guaranteed production, the guaranteed elite production that you're going to get from BAM, uh, unless this comes down to, you know, a very small difference in player and, you know, for instance, somebody that's playing five games. Then I would I would maybe consider it if it's like a two games versus five and the discrepancy is not too big. Um, but 90% of the time, I total agreement with uh, with everything you just said. Look, if if it's the player that's pretty similar, let's say let's say it's Vooch, who's I think been about forty fifth over the last two weeks or something. He's had a little bit of a downturn, but let's say it's Vooch and he plays four games and Bam plays two, like and they're on a similar level per game. Sure, like get the extra games yeah, in, but absolutely. taking a significant step backwards to get a player with more games when that player might not get more games. And it's part of the reason why punting could be such a successful strategy in head to head leagues is that you get insulated against game deficiencies. That if you lose three to four games, you have built up so much strength in these other categories by concentrating your assets into those categories that if you are two to three games down, you're okay. You can actually deal with that. And that, that's part one of the advantages of that. We've got a question from Jules, which we'll get to in a second. I'll put that up on the screen. You can have a think about it. But I'm going to tell you today that today's episode is brought to you by Nissan Aria. Nissan Aria, in fact. Nissan's most electric player of the week is brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. And the most electric player of the week, it has to be Damian Lillard. 71 points. And he did it in regulation. Yes, it was against the Rockets, but you know what? They put up a fight and the rest of the Blazers were terrible. And Lillard came out there and he was brilliantly fierce. Putting up tremendous numbers, first half, second half, stunningly powerful performance, exactly like the Nissan Aria. It delivers on duality with a combination of fierceness and elegance. It is the perfect SUV crossover. The 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin-to-your-seat power and premium intelligence all-in-one EV. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. The EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. All right, so the question is up on your screen Zachary from Jules, and he says, do you think Bobby Portis can still have value, let's say, in one to two weeks? Because the thing with Portis is since he come back from injury, he's been bad. And there are two ways to look at this. Is he bad because he is Bobby Portis? Um, is, or there's three ways. Is he bad because he's Bobby Portis? Is he bad because he's coming off a knee injury? Or is he bad because now he doesn't get every single backup power forward and center minutes because Chris Middleton's now playing. Also, Jay Crowder is playing, and they're giving more minutes to Joe Ingles. So... Portis, who was getting by on 24, 25 minutes a night, is he just going to be stuck at 20 minutes a night from now on? And that doesn't make him a 12-team league guy. How do you see that rotation going? Yeah, I mean, my initial reaction is to say, no, he's not bad because he's Bobby Portis, because Bobby Portis has given us some some good fantasy minutes, right? He's not just big Bobby P, crazy eyes. Yeah, you know, when, when we, people are out, though. That's, it's, last year, no Brook no well, Lopez. That's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing, yeah. That's the thing. So that's my gut reaction. But as you mentioned, man, Jay Crowder, they brought him in for a reason, right? Jay Crowder is in there. Chris Middleton, as you mentioned, is ramping up. So, no, I think Bobby Portis still plays a key role in this rotation, and he's still going to see right around that 20-minute mark. But, again, he's going to be one of those guys that is better for the Bucks in real life than he is for your fantasy team. Um, so, no, I, I don't feel good about him for the rest of the season at all. Uh, for the reasons that you alluded to. 
I don't either. And as we've, or as I've said plenty of times on this show, like at this time of the year, you got to make cuts. They won't always work out, right? So I, I'd like to look at these moves in this sort of frame of mind. Like if I drop Bobby Portis now and he gets back and plays 24 minutes a night in two weeks, how distraught will I be? What will he be? The 90th best player? The 80th best yep. player? Do I actually care? Is that that big of a deal? When everything here, coming off a knee injury, the addition of Crowder, Ingles, Middleton, Giannis playing more games, um, all those guys there keeping him at 20 minutes, which one of those is more likely? Probably the 20 minutes. And then if it doesn't happen, it doesn't burn me. It doesn't kill me. It's not. I'm not missing out on a top 40 player here, I don't think. Of course, weird stuff can happen. You know, knock on wood, like Giannis and Brook Lopez go down for the rest of the season tomorrow, and then he's going to play right. huge minutes. But, you know. You can't play that game with every player. Otherwise, you're going to have 30 blokes on your roster waiting for something to happen that's probably not going to happen. So the way things are looking, yeah, maybe it is an injury, but they don't. They're, how cautious are they with Chris Middleton? They don't need to push Bobby Portis into 25 minutes a night as he returns from his knee injury. They can keep him at 21 for the rest of the season because they've got all the other bodies there to do that work. So long story short, I'm not sure he improves his value, and I don't. It do, I don't think it matters if he does, and you do need to move on in the interim. EZ says, is Charles Bassey a must-roster player? I think he's a very interesting player, and I think he's a, a luxury stash type of guy, but is he a must-roster player? Um, if we're talking about just a standard 12-team league, I don't think he's a must-roster player. Uh, in deeper leagues, sure, but in 12-team leagues, I don't think so. I think it's... I, I agree. I, when, when we say must roster, Zach, it means like if you looked, if I came into your league and looked at your waiver wire, that I would go bug eyed and say, what? Charles Bassey's there. Please add him. Like, and I don't think we, either of us would have that reaction to seeing him on the waiver wire. We wouldn't go, are you guys, inc- you guys crazy? Why is he sitting there? Right? We wouldn't have, like, if we, were, if we went into a league right now, Zach, and we saw Mark Williams on the waiver wire, like, I go, what are you dickheads doing? Like, please, like, what's happening here? Please go and add him. What's, what's going on? But the thing with Bassey is over the next four nights, they play three games. So there's a W potential there for him just in that schedule boost. He is a really strong stream on on the nights that they play. He's definitely a 14-team league guy, but I wouldn't yeah, I wouldn't put him in the must-ross. Like I'd have him over, say, Nick Richards in Charlotte as a, as a backup mm-hmm. center. The interesting question here is that we've established he's not must-ross. He's absolutely... Again, the other the other test I have is if I came in to look at your twelve team roster, Zach, and he was sitting on it, I wouldn't go. Are you all right? Like, wh-? it's not like Andre Drummond sitting on your roster. Like, I'd say, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty smart to have Bassey there. That actually makes some sense. I get the schedule; it might work perfectly in your favor. The question is: Would you rather have Charles Bassey, San Antonio Spurs backup center, or would you rather have Anyekara Kongwu, Atlanta Hawks backup center? Ooh, that's a good question, actually. Honestly, at this point, give me Bassey. I seriously, give me Bassey. I I think I agree, but I I, I don't know because the Kongu has had some really big games. Now we don't really know what Snyder's going to do because last game a Kongu got five fouls in twelve minutes and Capella played thirty five minutes. Now Snyder mm-hmm. would run Gobert huge minutes. He didn't like to run bigs together, so John Collins didn't get much playing time there. Is he just going to lean more into Capella over Okongwu? Okongwu, unless Capella's in foul trouble, just was like 19, 19, 19, 19, 19 every night and was productive there. And Bassey's sort of the same. So I th- uh, now that I think I probably marginally in Okongwu because he has produced or he's proven it more. But I think it's a closer it's a closer call than what people might think um, on the surface. Hmm. 
Hmm. Yeah, and I, I don't think the minutes are the minutes are not leaning Okongwu very heavily anymore. It's a you know it's a few minute difference at this point, and Bassey has been more efficient with his minutes, which doesn't always correlate when somebody gets more minutes. But is there a potential for Bassey's role to increase moving forward compared to Okongwu's? And I hmm. think the answer to that is yes. I I think the answer to that is yes as well. JP Lawrence has a really good question, and I don't really know the answer, but I'm going to speculate on it. He says, do steel specialists like Dylan Wright stop gambling when they get more minutes, like shot blockers who start trying to avoid foul trouble when they start? Because we've seen Dylan the last two games. Zach, in his starts in place of Monte Morris, has not registered a single steal, yet he was getting about 4.5 steals per 100 possessions as a backup. And you see it a little bit with Alex Caruso as well in Chicago. The steal rate is down. But then you have the opposite, I guess, with Anthony Melton, who sort of gets his steals whether he starts or not. So... I think we could look at the D-line example and say, oh, that makes a little bit of sense. I'm not sure I'm not sure that it does mean... I'm not sure it's about the player necessarily not gambling as much. It might be that if you are getting more minutes playing against starters, you're playing against better players and there's less careless passing, perhaps. That's another way to look at it. So there are less steal opportunities, better dribblers, better ball control players. Like you're going up against trying to steal the ball on ball against Kyrie versus trying to steal it against uh, Ryan Archijakano. Like, you know, there's a big difference in that sort of a situation. So I think it could be a combination of those two things. That just transitions me, Zach, into talking about D-Line, right? With Monte Morris week to week, you're adding D-Line, I'm guessing. Absolutely, man. And Monty Morris is actually somebody that came up uh, earlier in the week when I was doing the NBC live stream with Matt Lawson. And, and I asked Matt, I said, please explain Monty Morris to me why people are so high on Monty Morris. I, I don't understand why people are so into this guy. No, I, like, I mean, at this point, he's nothing. Like, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. There's no up. There's no upside. Yeah. A lot of people thought, man, getting away from Jokic, he's going to have this huge usage bump. He's, I was like, no, he's not. Like he's going to sit there as the fifth right. offensive option on this team, and he's not going to do anything. And that's basically been the way that he's been all season, which is frustrating. Um, he should have been dropped by people long, long time ago. We'll get into another question in just a second. But before I do that, I'm going to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. We love delicious treats, but we don't love loading up on fat or on calories. We love loading up on protein, and that's what Built Bar delivers. They are the delicious protein bar with 17 grams of protein, but like 130 calories in these bar. And the secret to their taste is it's covered in 100% real chocolate. Now, I've told you for years that you can just go straight to Built.com, load up your cart, get your Built Bars, and your life's a rainbow. That's what happens when you when you, when you you click that buy button. Everything just turns into gold for your life. But now, you can just do that at Walmart. You can walk in straight down to the pharmacy department, and there they are on a shelf, four bar boxes, coconut puff, cookies and cream, and double chocolate. But if you're at a Sam's Club, you can find the bigger boxes, the 13 bar boxes in the churro flavor or in the brownie batter flavor. So go to built.com, go to Sam's Club, or go to Walmart, and you can find the best tasting protein bar ever. That is Built Bar. Built Bar is built different. Okay. I saw a question, and now I have lost it, and I'm going to try and find it. Oh, here we go. From Tang Nguyen. Do you think history will repeat itself with Shea Gildas-Alexander or do you think playing for an all-NBA team for a bigger contract, too big of a factor to shut him down? Tung, let me tell you, what do you mean by history repeating itself? Do you mean him getting an injury that is means he can't play? Because that's what's happened the last two seasons. People have this narrative in their head that gets pushed by a lot of mainstream media people. Could he have maybe played through some of the injuries? Maybe. But two years ago when he had his plantar fascia issue, that injury lasted four months. He didn't play through July for the Canadian Olympic team or national team. Last season, he had two ankle sprains, which cost him significant time. And he came back 
in March and played through to about the 17th of March with that ankle sprain. So people just say, think the Thunder make up injuries for Shea and he just doesn't play. Sure, if they were in a situation, maybe it could be like Anthony Simons and you come back four weeks too early and re-injure your ankle straight away. He could have done that. that. That's possible. But this is not a situation where they have made up fake injuries for Shea. They happen at this time of year and they are more than happy to say, hey, just go and rehab this and get it right. I, no, I'm not disagreeing with that whatsoever. But it's like people claiming the last the other yeah they just yeah fake shut down Lou Dort and decided to cut into his arm and fix his shoulder because you know they were tanking or you know this uh, surgery for Kenrich Williams oh yeah they're just going to do a fake surgery on his wrist this is not what happens is Shea's abdominal injury a concern a little bit yeah I I don't think that this mythical shutdown that people claim or people just people I get my frustration with the shutdowns every, every time someone's hurt is this a shutdown is this is a shutdown no if a player's hurt he won't play will they extend rehab time for a week or so maybe that that's possible but what we I don't know people just just so tightly holding on to this Shea shutdown narrative that I I, I, don't, I don't know what, I don't know what good it does to think to think this way or, or where where this is going to go so history repeat itself will he get injured again maybe but I don't know yeah, I, I'm with you on the shutdown narrative. A uh, couple things. I mean, in the Western Conference, you look at where Oklahoma City is right now. They are, let's see, 10, 11. They're 13th seed right now, two and a half games out of the play-in. They're only four games out of sixth. I mean, the Western Conference is so tight right now. I don't think Oklahoma City has incentive to shut him down at all uh, because they are in contention to make the playoffs. Uh, I think what the bigger picture probably is, is that they know they're not a title contender this season. And if he's dealing with any sort of, uh, you know, whether it be minor or otherwise injury, what is the, you know, what's the payoff for pushing him and continuing to play through that just to make the play in tournament or maybe sneak in as a sixth seed and lose in the first round. Uh, They're looking ahead to next season when Chet Holmgren's healthy, uh, when the team is going to be in much better position to compete a season later. Um, so I, I don't think there's incentive to bring him back if he's dealing with some sort of minor injury. Uh, and it appears that's what's happening. So I don't think there's a shutdown risk. I think if he was fully healthy, they'd be making that playoff push. But in the situation that they're dealing in now, there, there's no reward. I will, I'll say this. I think that when, once we hit 23rd or 4th of March or whatever, that he might play half the games the rest of the season in that yeah. final that final 10 days, two-week period. And I think that'll be the case for a lot of different players across a lot of different teams. Sure. That's just what happens. If there's a week left in the season and you cop a week-long injury, well, then you're shut down, aren't you? Because that's the season's over for you and that might extend to two weeks. That, that could very easily happen to a lot of different players across a lot of different teams. Um, Sebastian asks a question which a lot of people want to ask and I'll answer this in, in my own way in a second he says what players might get opportunity down the final stretch so it's a very broad question Zach if you've got any names off the top of your head throw them out there but I've got an overarching opinion on this just in general yeah, not a not a ton of names coming to mind right now. I mean, we can talk about Isaiah Joe, obviously, with the SGA. If people are really, you know, feeling strongly about him, um, but yeah, not not a ton of names that are coming to my mind right now. Um, I'd like to hear what your thoughts on that one are. Yeah. I think that like you're looking here down the stretch. So you're saying what's going to happen in three weeks' time? And Sebastian, while we might be, you know okay at our jobs we, we don't know like nobody knows this it's impossible to know like last season I couldn't have sat there on March the 1st and told you that Georgios Kalitzakis is going to play 48 minutes a night on the 30th of March or uh, Xavier Simpson is going to be a top 40 per game player 
or Olivier Saar is going to have a run of um, you know top 20 numbers for two weeks and then get cut because he was playing too well. Like, no, there's no way you can do that. So you can't go out onto the waiver wire and grab a bunch of guys and stash them waiting for this stuff to happen because it is literally completely random. And that's why I tell everyone on this channel, end your playoffs the 19th of March because general history would tell me that once we hit the 20th of March, random stuff starts to happen all over the place. Like, don't be shocked. And I'm not saying to pick this guy up or to watch it, but watch someone like Josh Minot have a 20 and 20 game with three steals. Like, that could happen. Towards the end of the season, the Timberwolves are struggling or they're locked into their seed. Josh Minot comes in and puts up big numbers. Or you get some other random second. Maybe Dalen Terry has a 10-10-10 Raymond Felton triple-double for the Bulls as they you know, rest some guys. Like, this stuff happens. It will happen. It will happen in April for sure, but we have absolutely no way of knowing it. And stashing players waiting for this stuff to happen is, I think, a real negative play. It just the chances of it coming off are so small that you just got to be quick to react when it does happen. Um, but there's just no way of pre-planning for a lot of this stuff. Like we could pre-plan and say, well, the Spurs are going to, you know, are they going to stop playing Zach Collins, their young center who's played ten games over the last four years or whatever it is, so they can play their other young center in Charles Bassey. Like we talked about that before, but. There's no clear incentive for all this stuff to go down the way that we hope it does so we can feel like we're three steps ahead. And in the end, you just end up you know, stepping all over yourself and, and not providing that real value. You're just going to be quick to react when it happens, I think. Kev, what is your opinion on Ben Simmons? Do I think he goes to the bench permanently? Yeah, like he's on the bench now. Like he's not he's not coming off the bench. Is that That is not changing. If he even plays again this season, I, his knees, soreness, I, there is no chance, Zach, that he starts this season, is there? No, Ben Simmons should be off your roster right now. If you're going mm -hmm. into the fantasy playoffs, why are you rostering Ben Simmons? Yep, exactly. All right, so a couple more questions here. Jules, Jules, two questions for you. What's the with the emergence of Pacers Jalen Smith's minutes? Do you think he's someone to keep an eye on? Thinking of whether to watch him or Charles Bassey. Smith's last two games have been really good, and the thing that I pay attention to a little bit there is Rick Carlisle really went out of his way to say, "Hey, Smith's had a really shit go of things this season." Yeah. Whether that's his fault or not, I'll let you know. It is his fault. Smith's had a shit go of things this season, but I've been so impressed with the way he's fought back. And he goes out of his way to single him out. So he's taken the backup role over Daniel Tice the last two games and ahead of Isaiah Jackson and put up really good numbers. Now, is he going to be useful enough to be a, a, a guy for most fantasy leagues in those backup minutes? Probably not. But what we need to watch is the fact that he is in that backup role now, Zach. So if Miles Turner misses a game, then Jalen Smith becomes the stream option, not Isaiah Jackson, not Daniel Tice. So yes, we're absolutely watching him. I don't. He's not as good of a permanent player as what Charles Bassey is. So if he is, if they're both in 18-minute backup roles, I do prefer Bassey. But we we definitely do need to watch Jalen Smith, who's stepped it up the last two games. Absolutely, and I think that's the approach you take: is uh, you just figure out which guy is going to get the minutes. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, if Miles Turner is going to be injured. Um, and Jalen Smith, I mean, six blocks over his last two games. I mean, that's something. Yeah, it is. GC says that these dudes spend 10 minutes on one question. We've been going for 25 minutes. So thanks for everyone listening to the two and a half questions that we've answered over, over 25 minutes. Um, do you think Matisse Thibel is a must roster now instead of a stream option? Yeah, he clearly is. Um, yes. Does it work for every team? I, I wouldn't rely upon his points and threes they have been much better but those steals and the blocks are of use to everybody like well not to everybody to there's someone in your league they are of use to it might not make sense for you the scoring is up but we don't want to rely upon that zach as something that's going to happen every game but yeah like he, he shouldn't be sitting on really any waiver wire anywhere um jay sizzle 810 
let's bring it back to something we talked about earlier with Anthony Simons. Is he a drop in a 10-team league, nine category, no injury reserve in fifth place currently? So I'm going to assume, Jay Sizzle, that you're still fighting for the playoffs. Obviously, the playoffs haven't started. You're a fifth, so you're in danger of getting knocked out. I don't know if Simons is going to miss more time with this ankle injury. Is he good enough on limited minutes with the questionable tag, maybe doubtful tag, with Jeremy Grant and Damian Lillard playing in a 10-team league where you don't have IL, so there's only 120, 130 guys rostered and you're battling for the playoffs? I think that's a drop. Like, There's no point holding him to not make the playoffs. Like that's it, it might seem, man, why would I drop Anthony Simons? I don't know how long he's going to be out, but if you actually need production today, or tomorrow, you got to do it, I think. I do think you have to do it, but I also think being in fifth place contributes to that. If I'm the first place team and the fifth place team drops him, I'm scooping him up immediately. This is one that, that's, one, that's without even a second thought. Oh, this is why having a, a league with no IL is terrible because what it does is it yeah. makes the top teams unbeatable because – you're right. In fifth place, you can't afford... You need to get everything you can in right now. Whereas if I'm in first, if I drop to second, who cares? It doesn't mean a single yeah. thing. If I drop to third, oh well, as I stash a bloke who might be back in a week who might put up a top 60 run. If you had yeah. IL slots, multiple of them, you just put Anthony Simons into your IL and then it's a blow to you, but it doesn't also strengthen the better teams. So that is, again, clear indication. So like many teams would have had to drop Kevin Durant if he had no IL. Like people would have had to do that. Yeah. And then I'm sitting in first, I'll take that. I'll take the zero. And if I come in, if I limp into the playoffs in fourth spot with Kevin Durant on my team, I think I'll be okay. You should always have IL every single time. All it does is make the leagues uneven and it makes the top teams better every single time. Thank you for giving me that example. Um, hmm. Here's a good question, which I think we can answer a couple off the top of our head before we get out of here. Back Brunson, which players do you think will get big draft discounts next season doing having frustrating seasons currently? I've got two names very clearly at the top of my head. Who do you think will be the big draft discount guys next season? Ooh, you go first, man. Let me think about this one for a second. Right, there are two names that come out, and this is based on things that I hear. Lamelo Ball is one of them. Never drafting him again. Okay, that's cool. He had ankle sprains and broke his ankle. Like this stuff is the ankle sprains. You're sure, but like that would if you had that idea, you would never have drafted Steph Curry again after his third year. Like I'm never touching him. Never he's useless. I'm not not drafting him ever again. Right. So the Mallow ball is going to fall probably into round three in a lot of different spots. I would suggest, or at least the back end of round two, and there's very very easy significant chances of him being a top twelve player next season. So he's going to fall. The other one is Giannis. Because people, man, how many yeah. people have told him, I am never drafting Giannis again. What an absolute waste of a first-round pick. He's actually, if you look, Josh, he's actually the 120th-ranked player this season, Yeah, which is clear bullshit. Because, again, a great indication of why, if you go by rankings in that manner, you will delude yourself and you will lose. So Giannis, I had him as the number two overall player. And he hasn't lived up to number two. I, I understand that. He is still like in a punt-free-throw situation, which you all knew if you drafted Giannis, you were punting free-throws. He's still like the 10th best player or 9th best player. Yet he is going to fall significantly in drafts by a lot. He's not going to go top five. He might not go first round. And Giannis in round two, it's going to be such an OP um, situation. He's always going to miss games with this knee. We know that. But he is going to fall pretty significantly, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think the big thing with Giannis is exactly what you mentioned is if you drafted him, you really there's no reason you should have drafted him without having that punt build in your mind because otherwise, yeah, value is significantly lower. 
Um, and, and so while you were talking, just a couple other names that kind of rolled to the top of my mind. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns, I think, probably yep. burned a lot of people last year, this year. Um, and I think a couple of the second-year guys, Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley, I think people uh, were probably a little frustrated with this season. Uh, starting to come around uh, overall, but I think for the most part, there were just so much hype around them at the beginning of the season that they, they got clearly overdrafted, and I think people will – overcorrect next season. Oh, you can put all that. You put Cade and Jalen Green in that as well. Like those guys will, oh, yeah. will drop way down. Mobley's been the best of those guys and he's coming on pretty strong yeah. here towards the end of the season. One more question because a lot of people are asking it. Apparently, Dennis Smith Jr. or Trey Jones rest of the season? Um, Trey Jones is back today. I feel more confident in Dennis Smith, but it really just depends um, on the way your team is because Smith is going to have some bad shooting but he's going to get big steals, solid assists and good blocks, whereas Jones is going to be sort of up and down assist player. Jones is almost like Zach, a guy we referenced earlier, Monte Morris. Like, yeah, like he's all right, but is there any big upside here? Not really. So I think, look, in both of the, in a 12-team league, I can, I can see both of them being rusted. I can see both of them being on the waiver wire. It's not make or break to have this guy over this guy in this particular situation. Look at schedule. Look at what the player brings to your team specifically. But both of them are 12-team league options. Both of them are fine on the wire. They are, if you have them, they're probably your worst player, which means don't fret about fret about it too much. But I'd probably lean Smith with a little bit more consistency here than Jones. Yeah, I lean Smith here as well. Um, and, and just as a, I'm sure if you're playing in a very competitive league, he's not available. But Kelly Oubre is available in 20% of Yahoo leagues right now. I really think it's worth looking at your waiver wire and seeing is he there because he is clearly the biggest beneficiary of yes. Lamelo Ball going down. Yes. Um, is he a worse player to watch than Dylan Brooks? <laughs> uh, he definitely doesn't have the same fashion sense, man. I'm not sure if you saw the Stone Cold I... Steve bit from the other night but. I, I i did and yeah and then he went out and shot one of nine in the first quarter or something i did so someone said um that he was stone cold steve austin three of 16 which was a uh, very 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 humorous to me um Ubre just he's gonna get i said this yesterday on, on the show like the fact that steve clifford's like all right everyone just clear out and let Kelly Oubre take every shot in the world. And that's been his coaching strategy the entirety of the season. Is great. I thought that Steve Clifford would hate Kelly Oubre, a bloke who never passes, doesn't play defense. Um, I thought that Clifford would hate him, but he's gone the complete opposite and go, all right, Kelly, you just, can you just run everything? And everything runs yeah. through you. It, I don't understand it for a single second, but it's what's happened all season. And it's uh, it's annoying. And I can't stand watching him. As much as, as, as cool as Kelly Oubre is, I hate watching him play. And I reckon, Zach... That'll do it for us in this show, which uh, was a good one. So thank you. Appreciate you coming on, Zach. Tell people what's going on with your NBC Sports Edge mailbags and everything that you got going on over there. Yeah, appreciate you having me, man. It's always a pleasure. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Zach the Monster. And uh, as Josh mentioned, I'm doing a weekly mailbag show over at NBC Sports Edge on Tuesdays. Uh, I've had a lot of great guests on, yourself included. Uh, so that will continue rest of season. And we're just continuing to pump out the player notes and the pickup columns. So go over and check that out. Go check that out. And of course, guys, follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. Zach, sorry, I didn't even say goodbye. I'll see you. I'll see you later. And thank you again for coming on. Appreciate you, man. Take care. Guys, subscribe, comments, all that stuff. I'm discombobulated, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. <laughs>